Welcome to Fargo Talks Fargo, a podcast on the FX television series Fargo. I'm Bill, and I'm here with my buddy Sharpie, and we both grew up in Fargo. That doesn't make us experts. Sharpie. Hey now. Uh, it makes us experts on one form of Fargo, I would say. The r- real Fargo. I lived there for like <laughs> 29 years. Wow. I feel like you moved away younger, but yeah, you're right. I guess you know when you moved. <laughs> I moved away from Fargo on my 30th golden birthday. Good Lord, how symbolic of you. And I said 29 years because I spent one year at college. Oh, that's right. And I dropped out. Failure. I'm an art school dropout. I feel like that's a great band name, art school dropout. I think it is a band name. Probably. What isn't a band name? Happy. Well, Bill, are you happy today? Are you happy? With happy? I, <laughs> I'm having all sorts of problems. I feel very scattered. Let's which, not talk about your bowels tonight. Listen, no. <laughs> I, I feel, you know, listeners probably are like, well, Bill's always all over the map. The dip. The but, dip. Yeah, I'm a dipshit. I don't know. <laughs> can, I, can, I, can we touch on something that's just topical? <laughs> not topical, but not like... What did you, you, you're a student of film in, in so many ways, and you, you and I have both worked in video production and editing. Lots of pushing in. Lots and lots and lots of that. There has been since the beginning of the season, and I've got... But this episode was very, the doorway, the, I mean, going into the Smutney home, uh, the, the one on Otis right. before he died, yeah. That's how this season began. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of movements, uh, sort sort of just like they're travel, like like there are people, like the camera's a person traveling through the Smutney home, yeah. which uh, we end up seeing later in this episode, which I want to talk about in a little bit, but okay. not quite, not quite let's right put now. A pin, let's put a pin in that. Pin. Um, here's one thing I will say as we go through this: things that I feel like I have not talked about. So one. Yes, the tornado came, right? And everybody tornado seems came. like, well we, well, we did the Oz thing. And it's like, dude, Oz ain't over. We're still in it. You know, I'm sorry. I'm sticking with Oz. We're, it's not okay. just going to disappear after Mike Milligan comes out the other side of the tornado, right? Satchel. Well, we don't know. Let's play. <laughs> right? Because you and I were talking about You're that fiery ID. tonight. I like I'm it. Feisty. I've, I've only had two sips of this bourbon, and I'm already, I'm already feisty. But you has, had a has very... somebody been coming at you with your Fargo opinions? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I think the real trouble is is that most of the time I don't read anything because I just want to call it out. I think a lot of reviewers are just recapping. When I, I'm not talking about podcasts or uh or I'm talking about like writing. I feel like reading some of the reviews that I've managed to catch. Some of them is just like, you just basically recapped. You didn't tell me anything. Yeah, this has been a pet peeve of mine for like the last six or seven years. And I don't even know mm-hmm. why I'm saying six or seven years. I'm just saying like as far back as I can remember reading about television. That's probably about when it was. Uh, in, in the format of like recaps and, and reviews and stuff like that. And I feel like it is just all recaps. Recap, recap, recap. You want to get some people's thoughts on a show, but you you rarely yeah. come across it. And it's like I'm not here to reread what I just watched. I just I just watched the fucking show. You don't, <laughs> I'm here you to, don't like, have to you don't have to tell me that after this. Thought. You don't have to tell me then after that. 
Otis showed up, walked through the station, and shot Swanee. I'm like, I was fucking there. I'm reading this story. You know, I mean, I guess maybe I should say that maybe there are some people that they missed an episode. They still have rabbit ears and get FX somehow through that, and they don't have a TiVo or any other means, so maybe they missed it. But damn it. I don't know. Maybe that's why I'm fired up, because there's not, and I don't do much Redditing. I just never have. And maybe, you know, there's a lot of smart people out there saying a lot of smart things. And there's a lot of other great podcasters doing really thoughtful things. So I appreciate all those people who are out there. There sure is. There just needs, there just doesn't need to be so many recap stories. Yeah. I just, I feel like, like, why do you, like the New York Times sometimes doesn't even touch tightly enough on certain things. You know, there's the zip, like at the bottom, they're like the two cent stamps and stuff. Yeah. Even worse, we're recapping recap articles. Oh my God, we're oh, the problem. No, we are. Okay, the problem. fine. We're okay. So I just want to say we're still in Oz. There's still things sure. happening that I think are very Oztastic. Um, I think you hit something- on something particular in the hot dish, and that was the prevalence of green. Lots and lots of luscious green in this episode. Very much. We're we're in that world. But here's something I forgot to tell you in a show. I'm almost positive I never mentioned this. I feel. Like, for the most part, the Fada family itself is very Scarecrow-like, mm-hmm. especially since the brothers have joined. But there is a really great scene when all the business is going down many episodes ago when Gatano was, like, doing the wrong thing and um, Rabbi Milligan and Josto meet in that alley. And did you notice that <laughs> Josto cannot light his lighter? Yeah. And I don't remember if I said anything about that. And I thought you did, yeah, because he's cause, okay, because he's he'll he'll start on fire, right? Yeah, and and also he's too stupid to get his own lighter to work, mm-hmm. you know. So you don't don't light a match around straw. And he's always um, got that golden tie on. Yeah. So stay tuned. I'll, I'll talk about something else that's I think is prevalent in the scarecrow thing. But um, I don't know. We're still in Oz. That's all I want to say. Uh. The KC Trib, the KC Way, the KC, KC has a lot of newspapers, Sharpie. Jan, you know, from 1951, there's January dates. Uh, it bumps ahead to April 4th, 1951, giving us a little bit of that time mm. shift. So we've at least slipped, for sure, according to the headlines, four plus months into the future, along with 1951. Exactly um, what I came to as well. Did you see that guy who was just like burnt to a crisp in a truck? Man, that was... That was rough, and that <laughs> is real. What? I looked up that photo. That is an actual photo of a guy who was burnt to a crisp when his truck caught fire. They just they just flat out showed you uh not safe for person. work, real dead people. <laughs> yeah. Well, isn't that the unfortunate which, truth of which, c- crime in our era? Yeah. You know, and which it, is um which kind of kicks off this episode which had more uh I think swearing than any other episode. This season, I mean, they were just it like felt not like given a fuck this episode. Yeah. I thought too that the 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 kind of note I took was, yeah, here's our here's our our kind of murder porn opening. You know mm-hmm. how we 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 romanticize this, but when we think about it, we're like, this is just terrible criminal stuff, and we're like, ooh, and we you know we want to see other people get killed. It's our own you know our own vengeance playing into this, but. Yeah, and then over that great song, Insane Asylum, mm-hmm. which is uh, Coco Taylor and somebody I, else I don't know. Well, I'm bummed we haven't been able to be in touch with Maggie yet, but the music still, in my mind, has been killing it, along with Jeff's score. Yep, as oh. always. 
do you think do you, so i have read two places because i looked it up this was the episode that didn't get these episodes did not get shot for the most part until after the covid shutdown so there okay. is something to be said for that so did you notice the uh headline though that says stay inside stay alive no, I didn't see that one. I've combed I through thought, all those headlines. And, and someone might say, oh, they're just making a comment about the dangers of, of the violence on the streets of Kansas City. And I'm like, yeah, but it's like 29 dead people. Okay, sure. And then there's another headline about KC police enforcing a curfew to keep citizens safe. And I thought, hmm, you think about all the unrest this, this summer. In, in mm. cities, but anyway, so stay, stay, which, stay inside, stay alive. Which came around full circle, I think, to the final song, uh, where they're singing about the powers keeping on lying, people mm. keeping on dying. Yeah, that was um, Higher Ground, but yeah. that is the, I don't know who did it Higher Ground originally. I know Stevie Wonder's done a version, but that was a version by the Blind Boys of Alabama. <laughs> Also of note, because you know I'm a nerd for this, they also have a really great, pretty sure it's them, they have a version of Down in a Hole, uh, which kicked off season one of The Wire, one of my all-time favorite shows. If you walk through the garden, you better watch your back. Well, I beg your pardon. And the Red um, Hot Chili Peppers, I think they covered that song. They did, they did <laughs> cover that. They covered that on their album Mother's Milk, I believe. Yeah. Uh wow, I have I have that I'm I got that on tape somewhere. Um we see this scene uh, at the King of Tears mortuary. Boy, those two ladies lock eyes. There's just tension and hate between them and it's been obviously stewing for 4 months and I saw a couple people complaining, well, "Is she waited this long to do that?" And it's like, "Well, you don't just pop across the street and murder the kid." <laughs> you know, I feel like if anything Orietta has vengeance in her heart, but she's at least got a method to her madness. Mm-hmm. But yeah. and then and then what? And then we get into the Fadas getting arrested by Otis. I I I learned a lot on this second watch that I feel like I probably got too caught up in my own note taking. So I have corrections that I things I missed and or misspoke of. Okay. I have a ton of notes this episode. I don't know why. This one in particular though, I feel like I wrote a a friggin' thousand word article on it already. Um, <laughs> if you saw how many notes I took, it's it's ridiculous. Let's talk it's about hard. Otis for a little bit. Yeah, do you feel? I feel like this is a full blown. That look after he did it, he had a change of heart. I think doesn't make him all better, but he's he's decided to quote unquote go to the light. Do you think so? Um. Yeah, I think in the end he feels. He did the right thing, and I think that's the rarapialo of happy. I think the obvious name for the episode, happy, is because of the character, happy. Yes. But we also see Otis die happy. Yes. So or, or at least feeling as happiest as he's been being sort of rejoined with his fiance and doing what he thinks was right. I mean, he's, he's like, you know what? Forget this. I'm not going to let these two criminals 
Because we remember, right? He, do you mm-hmm. feel the same way? Because he had that whole talk with, it's almost like um, Deffy did change him. Because mm-hmm. he remember oh, yeah, he talked about he, right. he, he, he liked having the control and it just felt right. And he had slowly, through corruption, let, let that slip away. Mm-hmm. And I think he thought, you know, it, because of his tics and obvious problems. Yeah. Yeah, so we see on Otis's face after the Fadas get arrested and they get raided at the Fada compound. Uh, Otis is there. We see them getting hauled away. We see Josto kind of give him a smirk as he's taken out the door by the police. Josto and actually, Josto and you know the whole crew. They know they're getting out of this. It's no big deal. It's just a, an inconvenience, really. But when the camera pans over to Otis's face, he has this. He does have this real look of satisfaction. And yeah. then we cut straight to the Gadfly Hotel. And I think yeah. Otis is the real centerpiece of this uh, opening act, I guess you might say. I, um, think you're, I think you're right. He, and did you, here's the interesting part. We know there's the staircase that comes up the middle from the front side of the street, right? But all the treacherous action always comes through the back door of Joplin's. And all mm. the police came running in the back door. Did you notice that? Yeah. But yeah, then we end up at the Gadfly, which I sent you that. I sent you that link. Did you, had you already kind of found something like that or no? Yeah. So you sent me a link on sort of what a Gadfly is, right? Yeah, um, or just the the Gadfly as it applies to uh, philosophy and social science. You know, according there's a Wikipedia page out there about it being someone who generally and persistently challenges people in positions of power or the status quo. Mm-hmm. And we've got. I feel like we've got quite a few characters doing that this season. Sure. This so one I- is. Otis, you think, right? Yeah, well, I went into a book, actually, called The Gadfly, uh, which is by an Irish author, Ethel Mm. Voynich. Uh, It was published in 1897. So listen to this. Um, It's sort of uh, late 1800s, Italy, uh, in a tumultuous Italy. I think they're under some Austrian influence. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of unrest, and the story is about a young man named Arthur, who is having lost his beloved comrades and learning about the deceit of a, the closest person. He disappears for 13 years, comes back, blah, blah, blah. Let me talk about this story a little bit. Sure. Arthur is this young man living in Italy. It's all, there's a lot of unrest. Uh, there's a lot of Austrian influence going on. Italy's not happy. The people are oppressed. This young man becomes... Uh, Arthur decides to become a little bit of a revolutionary, and he joins a a young group group of basically rebels called Young Italy. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Um, in Young Italy, uh, he has a partner, his childhood friend Gemma. Uh, it's a woman, but he refers to Gemma as Jim. Okay. Remember that a little bit. Okay. Um, throughout the story, there's this uh, priest that is friends like of Jim, Arthur. as in like Jim. Like J I M Jim. J I M Jim. Yep. Mm, okay. 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 I'm with um, you. But it's Gemma is her name. Sure. But he calls her Jim. Um. So Arthur has. So they're they're like having to be super secretive in this uh, group in, of young Italians, and they're fighting for Italy. Um. And he also has a couple members of the group he's a little bit jealous of, and he confesses this jealousy to um his priest, who in reality 
is his real father, but he doesn't know that. Okay. Dun dun dun. So he's confessing. Wait, a are you bit sure of, this isn't a? This sounds like an opera. This is yeah. This <laughs> right? Is great. Doesn't it? <laughs> it does. So he's a little bit jealous of his uh, of one of his partners, Giovanni Bolo. Um, he confesses that. I'm sorry. Did you just say Joe Bulo? Uh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's real. It's just fun. <laughs> I'm sorry. Keep, keep going. He ends up getting uh, found out and arrested. Okay. Arthur gets found out by the people who are oppressing Italy and he gets arrested. Ultimately, he gets released. But the people in his little secretive rebel group, Young Italy, are um, a little bit pissed at him because Giovanni Bolo, the guy that he was... Um, you know, a little bit jealous of, also got arrested. And so the group is like, hey, man, you may have gotten out, but that really wasn't cool, and we're not down with you. Okay? So He's not really part of the club. Right. So compare that with Otis and how he betrayed the Italians a little bit, got into some trouble, comes back to the office precinct, gets confronted by that officer, he's like, hey, man, you better, you know, not bite the hand that feeds you. This isn't cool. Okay? Yeah, there's a little warning of, like, you watching your back. Exactly. Watch your back. And then he also gets, and he gets the phone call with a bullet with his name on it. So it's pretty pretty straightforward there. So that's interesting. Later in that book, uh, Giovanni Bolo's widow, uh, so he ends up dying somewhere along the line. Giovanni Bolo's widow describes Arthur, she actually describes this character, Gadfly. Arthur has an alter ego, Radapialo. Boom. That everybody calls the Gadfly, who also has a pen name of Felice Raveris. Whoa. So Arthur, once he got into trouble, he kind of split. He swam to Buenos Aires. He hung out for 13 years, and he wrote under this pen name, and just created a lot of more of this political unrest under this pen name. Right. And then later came back and was mixing with the same crew who, and nobody like recognized him because he had this scar on his head. Oof, this is, is like days <laughs> of our lives. <laughs> which is crazy. So people are like, wait, <laughs> this guy, the way he talks sounds a lot like our old friend Arthur who disappeared. And uh, Giovanni Bolo's widow describes this guy, the gadfly, Felice, as having a stutter and a nervous, cramped twitch in his face. Mm. A stutter. Otis He's giving himself a away. A little bit of a stutter. Give so, so there's some away. comparisons there, um, which I thought were pretty interesting. Um, so there's some Rattapiano going on. There's some. Um, there's some stu- a stuttering character who who goes against some of his crewmates, and, yep. then, and then this is where it gets, this is where I think it kind of like ties itself up. Otis is getting a ride to his home, remember, with, from okay. those other detectives? Yeah, because he and wants he's to be, like, he's trying hey, to be safe. thanks for the lift. Yep, he's like, thanks for the lift, Jimbo. Jim is giving him a ride. Jim, his friend Gemma in the book, is really not cool with Arthur. AKA the Gadfly. Right. With how he mm. treated and kind of decepted their comrades. Jim drops him off, leads him to his own demise. And to top it off, 
Jim. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Who gave Otis the ride in real life? That guy's name is Otis. <laughs> <laughs> just when you think we can't make it more crazy. God, and I Can was you just imagine thinking it was. They're, 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 they're casting this show and they're like, okay, so the real guy's name's got to be Otis. The character, because yeah. the character's name is Otis, and they're doing all this rapiallo, like multi levels right, right. deep. <laughs> so hey, I, you never, you, you never know how deep somebody's gonna go. I think that Otis is, uh, is the gadfly. Is yeah. the moral of the story? I hope I didn't butcher the synopsis of that well, story well, because the the summaries okay. of it are are pretty not great. Well, you know. Uh, I I'll take it because I still think the story you're telling is true. Because if you go to like the say the Wikipedia page for you know uh, the Gadfly and philosophy and social science, there's a, a comment here that I the role of the Gadfly was that the role of the Gadfly was to sting people and whip them into a fury, all in the service of the truth. Mm-hmm. And I do think there's a lot. Some new shit has come to light, man, and. It's because Otis is choosing, and you know, I was going to mention that I thought Otis was coming to the light because he had all the car lights on his face and everything about, you know, we're we're skipped way ahead here, obviously, but everything about uh, Gatano was like in shadow and darkness. And And Arthur, the gadfly, in the book, the gadfly, ends up dying uh, by a firing squad. Yeah. Well, I thought, see, and I thought they were, you know, honestly, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I think it's all awesome. I just thought... Loy is very clearly causing a lot of problems, though, yeah. too. You know, he's, you know, because a gadfly is like, they talk about it, it's a biting horses and stuff. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about the stockyards. And I just thought, here's Loy, he's pissing off, he's pissing off New York, he's pissing off um, the country folk, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because there's the whole conversation about Loy, or with Loy and uh, Buell. But, like, Ugh. Did you notice that okay. there's a French and an American flag outside the gadfly? I thought that was right, but you're wrong. They're stacked the wrong way. That is the flag of uh, Missouri, which oh, way, is it? Is the exact same? It's the oh, because the blue's on as, top in France. No, no, in no right? in France, in France, are they the, the stripes are vertical. Oh, in, shit. in Missouri, they're <laughs> horizontal, but they're the, but but they're the same colors. They're the same colors. Also, just kind of a fun twist, though, on our whole Paris of the Plains business. Yeah, that is kind of a fun twist. Um, but yeah, it's I thought the same thing. It's just because the flag uh, is folded and it's covering up like there's an emblem in the middle. Ah, I trust yeah. me, you're you're on the same path as me. Same path as me, man. Um, so let's talk real quick here about in this Gadfly hotel because this comes back to my my thought. Man, I really like that Gadfly thing. Ugh, it's gonna have it's gonna be hard for me. I might I might need to like rewatch bits of that again. Um. Loy talking to Buell, and it's super cool to see her be strong and involved in everything and talking about he's going to try take over, country boy over the big city. This, to me, is another Wizard of Ozism, a wizardism, mm. <laughs> because the, the Tin Man, the Tin Woodsman, and the Scarecrow, if you go look this up, is, is this American kind of battle between industry and farming. Mm-hmm. And, right. um. And so this, as we know personally, I've already said that the Fadas are kind of scarecrowy because they, you know, and yep. um, and this 
connects them because we what we learn later is that Happy sides with the Fadas, which makes him he's a he's from the farm, and B he's siding with them. So they're they're all kind of Team Scarecrow in my opinion. So think okay. of it that way. This big okay. country, you know, because she's like. What are you talking about? He's like, he's going to come here, country boy, to come take over the big city. And I thought, hmm, okay. So that sort of, in my mind, makes the cannons maybe the Tin Man. They, you know, I don't know. We've, mm. we've mentioned it. And not I everybody dig. has to be perfect, but I'm just playing with this. But So we see Lionel. Uh, I still couldn't figure out the, the whole... There, there was a really cool throwback, in my opinion, to those two photos that were black and white. That you and I were talking about the Oz scene in the dining room where one one photo was predominantly had darker shades in it and one had lighter. Did you notice those two photos both had kind of light and dark heaviness each to mm. their leaned one way or the other? Yeah. I just thought that was another duality. I won't say the word. Okay. So Yeah, you're uh, right. One has a dark background, one has a light background. They have um and then their wardrobe is the opposite, just like the people that work yes, in the home. Yes. So yeah. it's it's a very in my opinion, it's a real nice touch and a throwback uh to that. But it's you know, this is where we hear Loy talk about you you're always losing till you win. That's why there's an underdog and happy, you know, he takes stock in his forefathers, but you know, that's just another thing. You know, he's looking to the past, whereas the Tin Man in the city is the future. But he, it's very clear in the second watch to me that he is not really there for Loy. Aside from the, the, the stuff, just the whole, like, your head is getting too high, the father's grandfather's sharecroppers, all born into bondage, etc. And that's interesting to me that Loy talks about being born on the bottom and dying on the bottom. But... I also didn't catch it until my rewatch about this is the kind of like plays into today's world, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. When he sees the picture of Loy, he says, that's your pick in the paper. That's not just you. We're all there. And I wondered, wow, is that like one criminal admonishing another criminal for helping make them look bad? And is this just a statement about all the people doing bad things don't, you know, unfortunately for, for black Americans, that's the trouble is that there's when 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 their pictures in the paper for something bad it has these more terrible connotations you know mm-hmm. and they've shown that kind of bias in in newspapers but i think that was just a little bit of that you know stuff that's happening with noah hawley in this universe i don't know exactly if it's this massive part of the story but i mean in the end i think the best scene that happens here is buell when she just rips happy oh yeah so, for sure so solid she's so her everything about that scene with her is just like stellar, and it gets them. She's a lion. Two, yeah, two weeks, right? Yeah, because she talks about protecting her young. Mm-hmm. You know, and these these heroes that are really just like not in the forefront. You know, and we can we, we can talk about that soon when we talk about um. Because uh, did we skip over the? No, we didn't. The we got to get to Snowman eventually here. Were you looking? Were you looking at um, the two urns in the background? I mean, I don't know if there's much to it. I don't know but- if they were. I don't know if they were urns. I did notice it. It was just another, just another wonderful instance of um, symmetry in this show. Sure. You know, I feel like it's very much like watching. Um, you know, I mean, the amount of symmetry that you see in a Kubrick film. <laughs> you know, there's just so much of it. It's just hard not to notice it. 
Yeah, yeah, I sure. saw that there, there was two of those, and then on each side of that there was two pictures. But then I thought, you know what? If I was having a place, I'd probably balance it like that too. I'm not, I'm not overly asymmetrical sometimes in my life. No, but they they did seem very urn like. And then when we take the conversation to with Leon and Happy with the Fadas, there are two boxes in that scene. Um, yes, and I don't know if they're like holding ashes or anything like that. But there's definitely two boxes. One's on. Uh, Josto's desk and one's between Leon yes. and Happy and it's got a little bear in front of it. I think they both have little bears in front of it. Um, yeah. There's so I mean there's so much. There's just so much going on and it's just this stuff is so beautifully shot. I, I still I will say say what you want about the story being too muddled or convoluted or not enough going on, you know, and I'm still gonna stick to my thing of like this is more close you know, and this is more to what it's really like. These problematic types of things that these characters are kind of representing that's the real way it is you don't get to know everything all the time and not everything's perfectly satisfying for you the viewer you know Mm -hmm. but i get it people want to enjoy their show and they want to see something resolved so um i don't know i don't i don't think we do we really need a the, the police station phone call i just i think we've kind of covered what happens there otis has turned over a new leaf he's keeping the streets safe he has a call with josto Mm-hmm. And then we cut to so let's 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 kind of fast forward up to Joplin's and I do feel a little bit here that uh, Ebel and Joe are are having like some interesting conversation that we don't know we don't know yet and I had I had an email from somebody who um, I'm so sorry I had a, I think so many Ebel and Joe so Bulo are just planning the future just, you think there there's nothing because somebody somebody was trying to say. Somebody sent me an email. I'm sorry, I'm forgetting who it was. I didn't write it down, but they were saying, "What if, what if, what if one of those guys is the inside person?" But hmm. we heard a name. Well, I'm not sure about that because the name we heard later is Charlie was sitting on Joplin's, basically. So we know that's how they knew about Leon and Happy. Yep. Um, going there, but um, interestingly enough, Gaetano has got this whole. You're making this too personal, brother. <laughs> like, when did he? He's. I think he's just trying to mimic him. I don't think he's actually smart. I think I'm sticking with he's still. <laughs> he's. Still. I always want to say a. I want to say a bull in a china shop, but I ever since the <laughs> special, I just want to be like, there's a horse in the hospital. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll just let people go look that up. I'm really sorry. It's just it's a Trump commentary from John Mulaney. There's a horse in the hospital. You don't know what he's gonna do next. Uh, because it's so weird. Anyway, I'm not. I don't want to go down that path. Okay, so police station, Joplin's. They gotta clean it up. Uh, we eventually get to this scene. Um, you know, right? How green is this setting? Of satchel. Yeah, I mean, green, green everywhere. So you you mentioned it in the um in the hot dish and how we're like we've like stepped into Oz now and everything's like ultra green, which is a theme we haven't really seen yet. I don't think this season, um, or else we're just forcing it. <laughs> but right away in the beginning, the trees are like super lush and green behind Orietta. And granted, yep. it is springtime, so there's it's gonna April. Be- it's April or May, yeah. maybe. Ooh, if it's May, that's the fifth month. 
Ethel Rita is wearing a, uh, a skirt that was green uh, with some mm-hmm. like, green plaid in that scene. Uh, Buell's shirt in the Gadfly Hotel was green. Actually, I think her whole wardrobe was green. Um, the yes. Gadfly curtains were green. Ethel Rita's, Ethel Rita's sweater is green later on in the show. Uh, in which in when she's talking to Debrell, who's got a, a beautiful green uh, skirt on. Uh, the, de- the detectives in Orietta's house, one's got a big green trench coat, one's got a green hat. Um, lots and lots and lots of green, Aussie green going on, and especially yeah. in this scene when we have that big drone shot that goes straight up from Satchel and reveals the, the two sides of that field, which was mm-hmm. great. What's, plant in that, what's planted in that field, Bill? I don't know. What do you think? Soybeans. Oh, not canola? Or canola. <laughs> I actually have no idea. It's just you can pretty much always uh, highly get it right with soybeans. Highly satisfied scene, though, with Satchel. It felt, you know, as everybody seems to be expecting, he's going to turn into Mike Milligan. Mm-hmm. I brought up to you the, the fandom page that shows a, a, a prop ID from Mike Milligan, and guess what year he was born? Some people are like, well, it can't be Mike Milligan. This one was born in 1951, and you and I briefly talked off air about this. Well, they showed up at that weird black and white, the, the crazy sister's house, and they chose the New Testament side because that's the side where a rabbi says, uh, where, which side can I be reborn on? So the tornado comes in 1951, and I think that's when Mike Milligan is truly born. Don't you? Well, you did Uh-oh. you did mention that, but I also found an ID of Mike Milligan's and Uh-oh. it says he was born in May, so it is May of 1949. So what is true? Oh well, yeah, that's is- the one I was So I've seen two things about that. Either eat the bottom line though is it's still Oh my god, 52, you know. Mhm. 52. <laughs> Five two, at five 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 Blue Lane Road, and his name is Mike Milligan. Is he's missing the Mike Millin? <laughs> Mike Millin. Either way, I just, do like maybe that's I just do, a cosplay ID. <laughs> well, and what's funny is that it's it's misspelled, but he spells it. He writes it correctly in his signature. In that maybe photo, that you is me. not the uh, correct photo. What does your photo say? You say you say you have a photo of his ID that. Well, no, that's the one. You're, that's the one. I I saw it in two places. I checked one of those, the fandom Fargo wiki. Uh, I would love but, to know because if that's if the image I found of his ID is incorrect, which it could be, uh, or is it weird that they they put out two IDs of Mike Milligan? <laughs> well, this is the part where I've I wished I could reach back out because the you remember we I talked to the prop master like two seasons or a season ago. I can't remember what season it was. I actually had that whole phone call with, with the prop master from the show, and it was so fun, but he just, he, I mean, he talked to me for quite a while, but um, yeah, according to the, okay, May 2nd, 1949 is what's listed him being born, but we know he wasn't born in 1949. I don't know, man. We'll figure it all out. And you know what? I'm sticking Criminals. to, you know, our theory that Satchel's reborn because I, I like it. They, they stayed at the Barton Manor or whatever. Mm-hmm. They chose the side where you get reborn. 
The tornado comes. Satchel is essentially reborn. I mean, I don't think that's deniable. He's on his yeah. own. He's he's coming into himself. He's a new person. And mm-hmm. and speaking of in just that, you know, our Rattle Piarlo twins thing got a great tweet from Jamie that says, Hey guys, all this talk about Paris makes me wonder if we're gonna meet the Kitchen Brothers. A, oh, a set yeah. of a set of another you know, this other set of twins. But I bet we do. I bet we I don't know. I bet well, how can you we, don't think he runs into be, a pair of twin uh, other kids. Oh my god, if he runs if he runs Oh my god, that would be amazing. But I mean, we do know that he works for Joe Bulo, so there's got to be some connection at some point to to Joe. I hope there's at least something we see. Right. But okay, so that but that scene with Satchel is highly much like the Buell scene is highly satisfying. Me, like high point scenes are Buell Satchel and uh, Ethel Reed at the very end. Those to me are just like the pinnacle, like, okay, listen up scenes, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, I, and I, I like them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. so we see Ethel Reed doing her deep research in the library, kind of a fun overlay of her mm-hmm. doing that. Uh, it was neat. But did um, you read far too many obituaries like I did? <laughs> I, <laughs> I decided after I did that whole uh, crimes in the Midwest, <laughs> I decided I was done. I was okay. not going to do it this week. Well, well I did. <laughs> Give me something fun. Uh, yeah, so I went. I I really miss microfiche. Do they still have those in some libraries? They must, right? <laughs> that would that would require me to go to a library. <laughs> we can't do that right now. Yeah. Um. Let's talk about some of the people that died. Who dead? Let's pay our respects. Who dead? God, we Dude, haven't played I... Who Dead this season. <laughs> Who dead? Nope, we haven't. Who dead next? Uh, Harold Barnes is dead. He died Harold in the Barnes. middle of a cornfield. His body was frozen. Shocker. Um, Harold was a piano teacher. It turned out, after a little digging, he was uh, wanted for fraud in two states. Howard mm-hmm. Bell. Um, so this is, this is kind of fun. Howard Bell uh, was a math teacher. He lived alone. He died August 9th. Guess what? Somebody else died on August 9th. Guess who? Another man named Howard. Two what? Howards died on August 9th. You think they're just getting lazy with the copy and paste? <laughs> they could have been. <laughs> That's what I was thinking after a while. I'm like, I think the graphic designer was just using the same names. Um, John Brown died on August 7th at 10 p.m., where Clarence Fernard died on August 10th at 7 p.m., <laughs> Um, both both of them died after crashing their vehicles, um, after getting drugs from a local hospital. So they like oh. passed out, died. All of these people died suspiciously. Suspiciously, two people died by running their car into something because of some form of drug that they were given. Right. Uh, two people died after going into the hospital having had the flu, and then just randomly dying in the hospital and then two people well, died named Howard uh, doesn't that speak doesn't that speak pretty closely though to like escalating serial killers how they do like at first she was just drugging them in their mm-hmm. pills that were leaving the hospital yep. and it eventually escalates to her like watching people drugging them and watching them die yeah more direct being directly involved like pillows very very it's, it's just yeah yeah two people died on August 9th two people died on August 10th Seventh, um, ninth, and tenth. Howard Howard Bell looks pretty young. I just opened this up to see. Yeah, Harold Barnes is wearing a shirt that 
looks very similar to the shirt that Orietta is wearing when she's arrested. Well, here, wait, you got to realize, you know, she's just looking at the obits in the paper, Sharpie, so not all these people are dead I know, because of I know. her. That's why the dates are so... You're never going to see an obituary date where people are, like, way out. Sure, yeah. They're all going to be close, for sure. Yeah. Um, but they all died kind of oddly. Because they were all yeah, young. Yeah, like, the people that died I was going to say, all, these, like, people, super all these people... Well, there's another... Yeah, well, carry the commentary on, right? Yep. I'm not, I'm not going to say it. Um, can we talk about the, the mama scene? As I, yeah, I've decided it. to call it. Mama, are we really cursed? Okay. This also got me a little riled up in the a couple things I read where they're like, ooh, snowman slash the roach that she calls him at one point is looking out for her. And I was like, you know what? Anyone who has a secret ghost that looks out for them doesn't call that a fucking curse. <laughs> I don't care if I'm right or wrong about it being racism. It's a horrible person and a horrible ghost. Don't call it, like, her savior. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm a little bit guilty of that in the hot dish. Um, you know, I was speaking off the cuff, and I, I kind of tried to back out of it a little bit, even during the hot dish, because I was like, yeah, it doesn't, that theory is getting weak pretty quickly. But I was thinking, like, oh, maybe he protected her because... Uh, he prevented it's me, the or... slave trading captain. I'm here to keep you safe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, trying to right my wrongs. Um, yeah. But I was like, I mean, it, it's, I think it's natural to think that because if it weren't for him, Orietta would have poisoned her. But what I, when I rewatched it, it's very obvious that he's getting like extreme enjoyment out of what what Oria's about to do. He's like grimacing, like he's like in like this evil way. He's like, "Yes, did you do it. did you head did you headphone it? Yeah. Ugh, man, the sounds really mm. really great. All I thought though is if somebody was clinking around with a zippery pouch in my room, I'd probably be like, "What the fuck are you doing?" I'd wake up. You know what I love about. Say my- um, I guess we we're we're kind of we're not in the mama scene anymore. Um, no, well, can I can I correct myself because I I misheard it and I miss said it I misspoke it. I did not realize that their great granddaddy, as they said, grabbed him and choked him to death. Yeah, I thought it was that he killed the father and that the mother saw it. But what we found out is that the first time. The first time her grandmother saw her, she was six years old. And I just want to say this. Do you want to talk about more duality in the show? Zelmer referred to it and said, that mean old Mr. Snowman. Mm-hmm. Debrell calls him the Roach. So even that person, that haunting spirit, has two different names from two other people. Mm-hmm. So anyway, sorry, you were saying about, uh, and, and just that she wanted to cast him away and get rid of him. So it's like if these people who are like, and not just you, that are like, oh, he's, he's helping. I'm like, why, if, if it was ever a help, why would she be saying, can I, can I cast him away and get free? I'm like, he's not a protector. He's a fucking curse. She literally says, are we cursed? Yeah. And he likes sunshine. And to me, sunshine is goodness and progress. And he's always there. Right, he wants to be there because he's he brings the darkness. He doesn't. If you're already down, he ain't gonna show up. I see. That's interesting. I don't know, but what? So, but, so I like I, that. I'm, but I'm contemplating. Okay, do I mean notice that she never turned to him? So much like Otis, it was behind him, and much like so, 
I don't know, man. I'm I'm really contemplating Snowman Roach trying to figure this out. I still stand by what I think it is, but you know, like Aunt tried to take him. That's not what he likes. He likes sunshine. Um I'm sitting there wondering, yeah, what is what is going on with this this lingering curse and how would she try to Aunt tried to take him? I want to know what that means. I'm bummed that I don't know more. And, and yeah. do you think we're going to see Zelmer again? Yes. I hope so. But she's like, I ain't seen him. She's, she's squeezed away in some little place or hidden, hidden away. Um, Zelmer's going to come back and defeat the Roach Snowman. It is so hmm. weird that he's got these two names now. He is Snowman in the credits. He stays Snowman in the credits, but she literally says, The Roach. Yep. But here's the other thing. Cockroach, you know what everybody jokingly talks about? They never die. They're always there. Mm-hmm. They're fucking hard to get rid of. Yeah, that must be why they call him that. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. What was his name? What was his first name? Theodore Roach. Theodore Roach. Theodore Roach. He laughed at their fear. And in their, and in their hour of being scared and shackled. Oh, by the way, here's my new thematic thing. This is the first introduction, in my opinion, in this episode about the storm and the sea. Yes. Ocean. Blueness. Hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so hang. lots I'll, and lots of... We'll come of... back to that. <laughs> oh, you want to come back to that? Or do you want to talk about it? Yeah. Because everything from here happens after this, as we, like, if we went in a linear fashion through this this episode. But it's... You, you even caught it, you said. Just like all the sea and ocean references, is that where you're getting on? Yes. Yeah, that after this was introduced, you know, so I feel like we're skipping... Well, can we just wrap up the whole conversation between Lemuel sure. and um because I I'm still sticking to I do think she's a witch that that Orietta is a witch. Um cuz she said don't let her get me and then at that one point she like lunges for her mm-hmm. and there's a scene in the actual Wizard of Oz where cuz she wants her slash the ring where the witch lunges for Dorothy and wants the shoes, but she gets shocked and was like, oh, and I just thought that was very Wizard of Ozzy to me that she's she's like, I'll get you, my pretty, you know, and she's like, don't let her get me. And that was the line. She says, don't let her get me. And everybody knows that line. I'll get you, my pretties. Um, So I I still think that she's a witch Mm -hmm. and and she wants that thing. But that's the whole the toughest part about that is. Orietta's just ugh, the awful racism in her. Oh to say my god! What what it's what's it like to be so sure you're right and know that nobody cares? Awful, Super and it's real. Awful. Did you catch the uh, the when when she says who will believe you and she's like like that counts but the other great thing was when she says there's a word for people like you and that's where I was I loved um Ethel Rita's line of like that's your word you invented that to make yourself feel bigger that's not what I am mm-hmm. and that's why I was saying 
I'm really glad we're back to Ethel Rita. I'm really glad to see a strong, strong scenes out of Buell and Debrell, even just talking to her daughter and um, all of that, because everybody else in this episode is flailing or dying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Orietta's words there were pretty brutal. She even said something like, betraying your better. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. So bad. And then she ends it with, I'll see you in your dreams, which was a literal statement. She I really caught, meant she was going to come back while she was sleeping. I missed that the first time, and I wrote, whoa, that was a giant, like, foreshadowing happening. Yeah, and when she does come back to mm-hmm. see her in her dreams, we see those camera movements um, going through the doors and stuff like and that. That's Orietta, right? Because that's Orietta traveling up to Ethelreda's room to see her in her dreams. Well, so... I couldn't decide. It could be either or. Like, how do we know that we weren't just, that wasn't Snowman traveling up to get up behind the scene? Okay. Or was it her? But the whole, I mean, here's the deal. I know it's dark in the house, right? But super blue. Everything is blue. And the camera is like washing and swishing side to side as it goes up that very, Mm -hmm. like, I'm on a sh- I'm I'm on a boat and I and not the uh, Andy Samberg kind. No, it was I don't know, it was a thing. Yeah, it could have been it could have been the snowman's movements, um, for sure. I, I mean, I'm just e- either way. The point is still, it's just that that eerie blueness, like her sheets. And did you notice she was wearing? We've skipped ahead, and we'll come back to some other stuff. But did you know she's like wearing like a blue cloak as well, mm-hmm. or what appears to be like a navy? I personally think that Snowman, like you were, was like up in her ear, like, oh, yeah, talk dirty to me. Here, you know, take her life. I don't know. Yeah, I it just looks she, like the devil on her shoulder, just kind of like, yes, yes. I just think, I just think the Give presence the of... Prick. <laughs> I think, I don't know exactly the intention behind her being freaked out, but I just think that's like, even for her, it's overpowering the presence of that much evil. Or awfulness, or gross—I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Because if you play it back, he's like going, like in her. I mean, yeah, you're right. He's like, he's like, he's like Joe Biden breathing in her ear. Oh, oh. God, sorry, Joe. Oh, sorry, Joe. Sorry. Sorry. No, I have no. I I am no way. I can make a Biden joke too. It's okay. That's right. Um, but yeah, it's just, oof, all that washing around in blue and the. And there's a lot of references to the water and the tides and babies. Mm-hmm. You know, so as long as we're talking babies about this, let's, come let's, with the tide. Babies, babies come, come with the tide. Yep. Born and they're all born in the night. And and the you know, the I'm pretty sure the storm happened in the night and all of that. And when we go to Otis's apartment later, uh everything's blue. All the lights are tilted. And the mm-hmm. cameras are tilted as if you're like pitching, you know, on a ship. Mm-hmm. And in the the painting that we get to see is what? A ship in the water. Yep. There's just and then when he runs in the hallway, he's like doing that bouncing off the walls thing as if he's on yeah. you know freaking hunt for Red October when they're doing a crazy Ivan. It is like that. Miss you, Sean Connery. Uh and I don't I don't know if that's even where that is. I mean, there's so many places where ever since that and oh and just even Orietta's like like she smells it first mm-hmm. just like Debrell 
just like Debrell. But, man, I don't know. This, he really does have a missing nose. When there's that, when they cut to that scene where you see him in profile coming mm-hmm. up behind Orietta, you can really tell he's missing that nose. Yeah, and so what's the deal with the wooden nose then? It just fell I off over time? The, does, a, does a ghost's wooden nose fall off? I, honestly, I don't have a clue. I just, I got nothing on that. I want to know. And his eyes being sewn shut. And now all we see are these black holes, but also Otis's girlfriend's eyes. They weren't like burnt out with cigarettes. They were like perfectly cut out. Really? Yeah, go look at it. I had to pause. I had to pause like twice and like like noodle around just a bit to get it to this right spot so I could be like, oh, shit. That poor fucker. I mean, they broke all the Hummel statues after he so nicely unpacked them in an earlier episode, right? Mm-hmm. Because at first I was like, what is he doing packing them again? I realized, oh, he was unpacking them, putting them all back because he decided to stay and be a good cop. Yeah. Um, so, Orietta freaks out, flees all the way home, and, in, uh, and, and is, just shows up, and they've clearly made tea or coffee at her house, because <laughs> yeah. the one guy's, the one guy's, we'll come back to a couple of the other things here. Um, we still got to talk about, uh, the, the twin, t- the brothers in the car having their tender moments over Dick's eyes, and, oh uh, we still have a lot left. We do, we do, but let's let's wrap up. Let's wrap up, Orietta. Okay. Um, what do you? What did you tell me? Tell me what you thought when you saw that scene when they just showed up at her. She she goes in, slams the door, and there's a bingo bango. The cops are uh, set up shop in her place. Yeah, I don't know. I thought. I mean, I'm guessing that's the end of Orietta. We have one episode left. I was a little. If if it's not great, if it is, I'm a little disappointed in how that just like. Well, we're just going to shove this in a bag, and uh, that's the end of that. Orietta's arrested. See you later. <laughs> yeah, the uh, guy you tried to kill, he's not dead, and he told us uh, you killed him. You tried to kill him, so. <laughs> One Sorry, of my favorite arrested. lines, though, was, <laughs> call the police. Ma'am, we are the police. <laughs> you're just making it worse. Uh, I- I've... I'll admit I have a lens on this season now based on like this, the whole un- unfortunate summer and that we've had. And I thought pretty typical, you know, white person kills all sorts of people, gets taken peacefully in their own home without a shot being fired. Just saying. That'll get us another really great review on Apple podcast. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. She just, wanted, but you, she you know what I mean? Like, and, and and but I mean I also say this ties into our a little bit of like we have this our own like vengeful lust for this stuff even in fiction and film that we want to see there's something like don't be a bully but man I would love to see that guy kicked in the balls <laughs> you know he just I don't think we're done with her I'm okay. I, you know what I will I'll I'll make a bet that we're not done with her Okay let's let's bet. Talk, let's let's pin that for a minute I'll tell you why Later, we got a lot of stuff pinned. Oh, so many pins. It's a f- this show's a goddamn voodoo doll. Mm. Okay, um. either way, she gets locked up. The whole <laughs> let me just get my purse, <laughs> like, mm. let me just put away my poison, my poison <laughs> syringe set here. Let me just uh, <laughs> lock the door to my poison closet and uh, uh, people trophies. Yeah, no, let's talk, let's talk about the uh, the, the brothers in the car. 
Okay. You, uh, you know, you don't have any siblings, but do you ever wish you had a brother to sit around and talk about killing people when you were 11 and your dick and stuff like that? Do you have those moments? Do you feel um, like your childhood is missing out? Yeah, yeah. Uh, big leg pickle. Big um, <laughs> I, yeah, very... I am an only child, and yeah. as I was growing up, no, I did not wish for siblings. Now that I'm older, um, yeah, sure, definitely. I think having siblings would be incredibly helpful and useful. But they could also be uh, like a horse in a hospital. Right. So there's that. There's a there's- horse in the hospital. I'm going <laughs> to slowly work up to an actual John Mullen. There's a horse in the hospital. I don't <laughs> know how good. to That's do the good. John Mullen. John Mullaney is almost like as if a man's body was inhabited by uh, one of the Hepburn women. <laughs> 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 I dig it. <laughs> Hands down, one of the weirdest things I've said on this show. <laughs> oh, Hepburn, oh my God. Uh, I don't know. I just, it was, even the music was underscored, like tender moment where they're like laying on each other's shoulders. But I mean, in a way, are we seeing, and I'm just thinking of this right now, are we seeing the reflection of how fucked up both of their lives were, separated worlds apart? One got sent away. One was here, one was there, and they both, uh, because of their choices and their family's choices, were unfortunately living in just, like, terrible trauma. I mean, we, mm. you know, Jostow got traded away and possibly touched by the devil Oni, and here's this guy who's trying to get his rocks off at 11 and ends up getting choked and k- killing somebody. Did he kill sta- him? I don't know. Or did he kill him? Or, well, either way, he stabbed, he stabbed him with some him glass. I'm sorry, in the eye, because that's right. The, uh, the, this show and the Coens love a Cyclops. Um, so that guy got stabbed in the eye. He had an eye patch, and then we saw the guy with the eye patch at Barton. Rarapialo. Yeah, and and don't forget that there's the one guy with the... Uh, Omi had a cloudy eye. Something's up with that. Oh, yeah. You know, lots of one-eyed men. Uh, but these two have this whole scene where they're just like, boy, they sure are together, and all's right with the world, right? Um, and so they 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 kill Wef, right? He 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 drops mm-hmm. the gun. He the thing I didn't hear was you know how he would be like <laughs> he he had those like outward breaths. Otis yeah. did. Yeah, I didn't realize until the second watch that even with that smile on his face, the last thing you hear if you turn the volume up as Gatano is walking away is one last. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah, I thought that was great. Some people said they didn't like this character, and I still think, I don't know, it's, it's good, and I, I really liked him in Boardwalk Empire as um, Richard was his name, or I think, I don't remember. Um, but yeah, that smile on his face, though, I still think he, you know, uh, Deffy goes out with disapproval, he goes out with, I was trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. The closest but- we have to a redeemed lawman in this show, possibly? Maybe. The juxtaposition of the just gruesome violence in this scene, along with just the lovability of everything, like the little smile on his face as he died, and then like like Josto and Gaetano sitting in their car, like they're at a tw- like they're twelve year olds at a sleepover talking about girls and stuff. Dude, Gaetano's got a face that that could really survive. You know, people have mentioned it, and I agree. This the the silent film era. 
He's got a very emotive face. I mean, there's that time where he's literally got his head tilted like a like a little yeah. puppy who and he's like looking at his brother like they're realizing how much they actually care about each other. Mm-hmm. And the the short little sentences he uses, I think, really make his character when he's just like when Joss was like, yeah, like get to the point. And he's like, okay. And then he like <laughs> continues with his story. Just saying that little like, okay, is okay. so nice. Yeah. I love that character. Um, what did you think of the way uh, Gatano goes out? I liked it because it was a s- huge surprise for starters, and you were just like, I agree, I agree. You just go like, what the fuck? <laughs> it was somewhat comical, like the character was. I mean, he was just over the top in every way, so it was fitting. Uh, also, very like Cohen, at Cohen, Cohen, at Cohenish, Cohenesque. Yeah, uh, yeah, just because of the quirkiness. Um, people were trying to find like you know correlations, and there's a few things that were said that are close, and I think they're all fine. But I I think you're right. It's the it's the it's the absurdity. Yeah. Right. Here's my connection. Okay. Um, I like it. I like where this is going. Even though what I have I said? So what have I been building to all night? What are the fadas? If not Scarecrow. scarecrows, if you watch the Wizard of Oz, which I finally did the other day, when Scarecrow comes off the off off his little pole when Dorothy unhooks him, he's like all fumbly and can't stand and is tripping and falling all over himself. And what does he do when he trips? He shoots himself and loses his brain. Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> that is good. So in the end, he doesn't have a brain. It's because here's the deal: it's the Wizard of Oz. It's it's not, a, it's not supposed to be a happy ending for everything. I know the movie does, but I'm just saying. And you were there, and you were there. But if you think about the Wizard of Oz, the Scarecrow's like, oh my god, it turns out I have a brain. And then they go back to the regular world, and guess what? It's not the fucking Scarecrow anymore. It's just fucking Hunk, or whatever his goddamn name was. <laughs> I'm just, I don't know. I don't keep it that straight. But do you know what I'm saying? So I just thought, no. Like, go look at it. Scarecrow's like all like, I'm, I'm showing you like marionette arms. He was, yeah. there's clumsiness to him in the very beginning and that's that's how they got that kind of like kind of fun jovial skip down the road when they're going follow the yellow brick road and they're skipping and that's the scarecrow he's got kind of these like the, the there's the rigidity of the tin man and just like the flopsy wopsiness of the arms and legs of the scarecrow and he's kind of kind of clumsy and of course he's gonna trip and blow his own brains out <laughs> Mm-hmm. In my opinion, that's what the fuck's going on in this scene. And everyone's like, Absolutely. oh, it was very... And here's the other deal. People are like, oh, I wanted him to die and blah, blah, blah. That's, that's your problem that you're looking for that kind of murder porn, right? Right. <laughs> that's not the writer's tale. This is just the fucked up nature of the world. You know what I mean? This is, this is, <laughs> this is the Darwin Awards. This is mm-hmm. real life. Yeah, we romanticize violence like all too often, especially in gangster movies. And the reality is, this shit probably happens all the time <laughs> in like uh, these groups that are extremely violent and playing with guns many, all the time. They're, well, how many stories have you heard of some like gunslingy guy shooting off his own nut all or the his time? Toe? I mean, Har- Eddie Murphy and what Harlem Nights was that the movie Harlem Nights? You shot, damn, you shot my pinky toe. <laughs> Nobody gets to make a. Harlem Knights reference on a Fargo podcast. How many NFL players have shot themselves this year? Carrie. Is that a thing? That's a thing. I feel like oh, there's at least it. once one a year. Oh, I haven't seen any. 
are they playing NFL right now? Are they <laughs> playing that's that? what I love about this is that you <laughs> you like do not watch like any football at all. I'm always I'm like, what are you trying to talk about? Is that sports okay. thing going on? It's the sports thing. Sport. You always you always called it when we were working in the same office together. You always I always remember you're the, you're the person who introduced me to the term sports ball. Yeah, that's like a normal word now. <laughs> is it? I th- I think so. Well, congrats for thank you for introducing me to that. Okay, let's let's start to button this. Let's start to button this up. I appreciate the like emails so and the. Much more. Uh, well, so uh, I'll 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 do some quick grab bag and then we'll talk a little bit of stuff. So um, we didn't we didn't have a chance to talk too much uh, about how much of an asshole the alderman is in the high ho club. Um, but it, but I uh, did like seeing him get punched in the face two times. You know what? I, I wrote in my notes. Kind of feels good to see an asshole politician get punched in the face. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark commented to us that the top secret meeting at the Hi Ho Club is. Um, he wondered if it was a re- uh, to the lady killers. Uh, uh, there's a donut shop. Is Hi Ho Donuts? We want that donut money. So mm. uh, another quick comment. Oh, I lost it. I'm sorry. I thought I had this pulled up, but anyway. Um, I hope we see the Kitchen Brothers. I think your idea of that and, and Jamie's would be fun if he meets two younger twins with beards. I hope they have beards yeah. even when they're like 10. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like the best thing we can do here is wrap up with our last last big scene back at the Gadfly. Yeah. And now that I'm thinking about what you said and what I said, maybe we're both right. Loy and Ethel Rita together are picking away, and, and they're an annoyance to everybody, right? Even though Loy is bugging Ethel Rita and her family. You know, because by and large, the Smutneys are just trying to make a living. I mean, what's the worst thing they honestly did? The, the actual Smutneys, that family. You know what I mean? Like, Zelmer, I get they it. Zelmer's doing bad stuff. They borrowed some money, you know, as black people in that era. I mean, imagine trying to find a bank that wants to loan you money. Anyway, um... I thought it interesting because we've talked a lot about reflections of Loy when she first comes in that room. It's like you, mm-hmm. you get to see Loy in that reflection. It's a wonderful shot. She's wearing a different, her clothing is thing. But the first thing I thought we talked about, A, super glad I geeked out over that painting still. Yep. Can you see how far my hand is reaching behind my back to pat myself? Um, mm-hmm. The secondary thought I had was, holy shit. Uh they're making commentary here, I think, about Ethel Rita's, of she, because everybody is, okay, sorry, I got to formulate this real quick. Loy, from episode one, talked to us about people pretending to be what they weren't with the credit cards. They don't want to be rich, they want to appear rich. And I just realized that in episode 10, that, because, and what is that other than being fake? You're not real. And the first thing she does when she sits down is she talks about a painting and she tells him it's fake. Yeah, it's a copy. It's it's a copy, but it's just more importantly than the copy, it's that it's fake. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if she's seeing through all of it that all of them are weaker than they're letting on. Yeah, he specifically and said she, he wanted it after he saw it, he wanted it because it would make him look like a badass. <laughs> yeah, right? But I just thought she's she's so perceptive. She's so perceptive. And I, I think that to mm-hmm. me is the biggest point I take away from the scene. I can sit there and wonder about all her math skills and speaking French. And in the end, I'm like, she knows bullshit when she sees it. 
Mm-hmm. And she's smart enough right. to take it. I mean, she called him out. She's like, I think you, you, you are having the punishment fit the crime. Uh, you, the Smutneys stole your money. They gave it back. You think they should be fined. You could have easily killed them. You could have offed them and just been done with it. But you, you thought, no, this is a, you're going to get a monetary fine. Kind of like a credit card company. <laughs> right. Do you feel like a little bit of what he was attempting to do to her and she wasn't having having it was a little bit of mansplaining? Oh, yeah, for sure. Without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. So, now let's be speculative. Okay. Yeah, let's get into this because... The ring? What do you want to talk about? You tell yeah, me. Yeah, I want to talk about the ring. Because I am at a loss, to be honest. I really don't know how that gives him an upper hand. Is it information that uh, Orietta killed Donatella Fada, is that like, does that give him an upper hand? That doesn't seem like much of an upper hand to me. Um, Donatella Fada's dead. Who, like, I don't think there was any... Was there speculation as to it being the cannons? No. No. Right? It, so, it, the, the obit, the, well, the obit, by the way, that I did, I actually did write down and pause on the obit for him. And it does clearly state that he was the victim of a stray, right? A stray, a stray BB, you know, pellet gun. But we already do know that there was some talk about where's the ring, you know, where's mm-hmm. the precious between the brothers and who took it. So clearly, it's of some, some serious uh, value, just beyond not it was my daddy's ring kind of thing. But I don't know. What do you think? You I mean you're, are you at a complete loss, or you're just? being speculative right now it just doesn't seem like enough to stop a war if, if he like just takes the ring over there and like hey you looking for this uh let's call a truce i don't see that happening i don't know how it plays into the it, i don't i don't know how it plays into things i don't know how it's just sort of this like huge aha like brilliant we've got them type of thing what do you have I don't know. I know my my confidence level on this is um, lower than most of my bullshit prognostications. Is um, so it 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 made me wonder about what is it they're after and what is. I feel like we've been dealing with a fair amount of perception on this show, right? Because that's why I brought this up. She knows what's fake. They know it's fake. Um, and. You can live on, you know, what's the, what's the phrase, you know, like a lie will make its way around the world multiple times, you know, before the truth gets out of bed, you know, and it just Mm -hmm. gets easy to believe that in a thing. And I keep wondering, we're, we're still living on layaway, Sharpie. Like all of this is still over a fake dead boy. Mm -hmm. This whole war is, you know, dead Satchel slash maybe Mike Gilligan, Mike Milligan, Mike Gilligan. He's also <laughs> lost on a he's lost on a three hour tour as well on a weird island. Yeah. Um, but this whole thing is, pre- I mean, Buell made it very obvious. It's she doesn't even care. She's like, we'll make a we'll make a deal with New York. Let's just kill these fuckers who killed my kid. He ain't dead. He ain't dead. He ain't dead. You know who's <laughs> not dead? Satchel. Satchel's not dead. And. This whole thing is predicated on that, isn't it? I mean, what else would they be fighting about if it wasn't about the dead kid? Zero, as far as we know, zero's alive. Guess what? There's somebody we need to touch on. Where the hell's that kid? Yeah, I don't know where that kid is, and he was in the credits for this episode. And I was like, whoa, why does he, what, what makes him so special? He's not even in this show. 
So I'm I'm my my thoughts are that there's that they're going to create some fallacy that is going to make things look worse because right now also just heartless the way they have this touching scene and his brother dies. I mean, can't you just drag him into the back seat of the car and drag him away from a crime scene, Chasto? But he's such an idiot without a brain that he leaves. So now here's the sitch, right? Josto's in a bad position because New York told him you need to make up with your brother. Well, who killed him? We'll have to figure that out because now you got a dead cop and a dead brother. You can probably blame that on the cannons if you really had to, right? Mm-hmm. And the flip side of this is, do you think that Josto and uh, and Orietta could really carry on there? I mean, do you think they really only hooked up a couple times? I doubt it. He's into that shit. Okay. Where are you taking Do you me? really think... Well, I'm just saying they could craft an entire story that he got her to kill his father so he could take over the reign. And I know this because mm-hmm. I've been watching him across the street from my, you know, the King of Tears mortuary. I've been watching him visit there. Mm-hmm. Because you can craft your own truth. I mean, we've talked about that, that truth, that the, the Pravda and the Pravda truth of... And we're still dealing with a little bit of that from season three. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any of this, I'm not, low confidence here, but I'm just saying I feel like. I dig it. That's a lot to do in an episode, but I dig it. Well, uh, and I don't know where people are getting this stuff. Like, I'm still standing by you and I don't look ahead. We try not to see stuff. Two people have told me that the next episode is only 39 minutes long. And I'm like, you're telling me that FX is going to put in 21 minutes of commercials? 21 minutes is the average length of an episode of fucking Friends. They're not going to put in. If I'm wrong, I'll stand corrected, but I have a hard time believing that they only got 31 minutes to wrap out this thing. They also I don't, know don't always follow, you know, the 30 minutes and on the hour schedule on FX. Multiple people, two people sent me a note about that. So, wow, Cristiano, I know you said it. They're, they're, they're worried, and, and I'm, I'm with you, and I appreciate you guys sending the stuff, but I just, I'm, I'm having a hard time believing that FX, in a season they would normally produce 12 episodes, only is putting out 11, and the last one with, I don't care if they tie up all the loose ends. I'm, I've always said I'm okay. I, I just want to take the best thing. Is this my favorite season of Fargo so far? Let's be real. You? What do you think? No, it's not. It's not my favorite either. It's also the most complex subject matter the show has taken on. Yeah. I, I really that, liked season two, though. So. I know. You, kooky UFO, man. Fat Damon. Miss that guy. Love that guy. Yeah. It, it, anyway, it really was. It really was. A it's great still season. good. We're on season there's four. There's a lot. It's st- I, there's so much here. It's not over yet. Uh, there's a, there's a, they've given us so much to talk about, which has been a true gift. So I'm grateful for that. I don't know. I mean, I, I sometimes I tend to go, man, we should go back and redo our own show about our own show. Because even our season one, I appreciate of all course. the listeners, but we, you and I were, I don't think even you and I were on the same path during season one. We were having so many extra guests every week and, and they were great people. They're, they're good friends of ours, but it's just, it's tough. Hats off to anybody who does this kind of stuff. Cause you know, we're not mm-hmm. here to just recap. We're here to try. We're here to tell you about really random gadfly stuff. <laughs> we're here to make wild speculations about the Wizard of Oz and that, 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 a, that a guy named the Snowman is really the looming specter of racism connecting to colonial times, which turns out it's true. Um, it was true. That's what we're doing. I don't know. 
it's fun. I like the wild gambles. I like getting off on a streak. I like looking at why are there two urns in this thing? What's up with that fucking painting? Yeah. Um, random thoughts. There was a lot of black and white. Um, a lot yep, of black and white still. Uh, wardrobes. And Lois said, skunk's gonna skunk. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, if- oh, one more. Rats. You know, talk about our, our, our ocean and ship references. Yeah. Rats, rats fleeing the ship. Another reference. I mean, I know that's a normal phrase, but I just, I don't think people are accidental. These writers are, are in a, they work very hard at what they do. And let's breeze. What else you, what's, what's, what's all, uh, what I else? just have, uh, I got a shitload of notes here, but let's just breeze through as we wrap things up. Yeah, uh, do it. I love thoughts. this. Um, I'm just going to breeze through all the twos. I know that we're all kind of getting sick of that, but it is kind of interesting when you point some of them out. Obviously, you could point a lot of two things out. Oh, he's got two legs. He's got two arms with two chairs, blah, blah, blah. But I think that yeah. a lot of these ones that I've written down are, are very like obvious things that they did into. There's the two weeks that Happy gives yep. them. Yep, yep, um, the And then when they off the two Italian brothers, what are the, what's New York going to do? They're going to send two more brothers. Um, yes. That twitchy piece of shit <laughs> uh, quote was the second time <laughs> Uh, Josto said yeah. that twitchy piece of that twitchy piece of shit, which yes. I loved. I I believe we mentioned there were two uh, references to Josto having to pee. I also believe there were two references to eating <laughs> bark. Um, like we said yeah. earlier, two people died on October 9th, two or August 9th, two died on August 10th, two died in a hospital with the flu, two died in vehicle crashes. Um, Milvin, the alderman. He gets punched twice. Um, there's two references Ooh. to the moon in Milvin, this episode. Milvin also says these, those greasy wops have a low IQ, which is no brain. Scarecrow. Ah, yes. Good one. Good one. Um, Josto says to his brother, we're here now. Says it twice. He says, come here. Twice. Um, Otis checks the light switches in his house twice before he turns them on. Which was total funny, useless box for me for a minute. Mm. I know it yeah. wasn't really that, but at first I was like, is this a useless box? <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like a useless box. There's the painting by Henry Renault, this, which is a copy, so there's two paintings. Yep. Um, speaking of that painting, is so uh, what was the title of it? The um, Oh, God. The, the Execution Without Hearing. Under the yes. Morris Kings, something like that. Yes. Um, is that maybe a reference to the execution of Donatello without a hearing? Mm, I don't know. Maybe. Um, random thoughts. We're, we're in random thoughts mode. And, uh, <laughs> I, I'm with you, man. I'm, just ha- <laughs> I'm always happy you're on the journey with me, man. Um, yeah, Skunk's Gonna Skunk brought that up. Babies in the Tide. Uh, the Babies come like the tide, but also does the snowman come with the tide as well a little bit? Well, in the moon, but, yeah, and they 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 can see, he comes at low tide, mm-hmm. and and also just the reverence for his wife uh, and the strength of women was kind of lifted up, I think, with Buell and that he doesn't even he wasn't even hearing things the night Satchel was born, and yeah. What else did you have? Any other random twos? I mean, I I tried. I've I'm I'm happy you're picking up mm-hmm. the mantle, man. I've been trying to push slightly away from it because i like i said i just oh by the way but if you do push a 12 inch head through a six inch hole and you divide it that's two um (laughs) it's double um just saying just saying yeah that's i mean you you can't you can't yeah um do you think there's anything to this a smaller piece but just before we wrap it up um almost sad and lamenting that loy in that telling of Satchel, 
it's almost like with the loss of Satchel, his best times are behind him because he says, um, wait, wait, that was to Opal, right? Where he said mm-hmm. my, the best, his best days are behind him. Yeah. You know, he's, he is, this is not his penultimate moment. He's, he's on the other side of that sunset and he seems to know that, but I, I kind of want to know like what, if he feels that way, what is driving him? How does he keep his, you know, how does he keep the quote unquote faith of any kind? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Just keep searching for keep searching for higher ground, right? It does the way he's doing that little uh, soliloquy, somewhat. Um, it does feel like he knows he's at the end. I'm, I'm bummed. There's not twelve episodes. I'm very excited for episode eleven. I hope it's more than thirty nine minutes. Well, we did have a super long first episode, so the whole thing has been crazy. And and I I I'll give them some pass on TV and film production is hard. <laughs> um, some people did you notice? I mean, some of these scenes people were all farther apart, with the exception of like Gatano and Josto in the car. Mm-hmm. People were apart in these scenes. All the all the guards kind of standing at distance, and it's tough. Who knows? Who knows where this goes? We don't know what ends up on the cutting room floor either. All right. Oh, man. Well, send us a note. We're on Twitter at Fargo Talks Fargo. We are also on email, which I've been bad at answering everybody lately, but um, maybe I should make you in charge of that. Just kidding. Uh, you can send an email to podcast at Fargo Talks Fargo. We appreciate you. And those of you who read my random secret note, it's over. There's, uh, there's like three or four of you who are going to get some stuff. If I've asked for your address, it's coming. Don't worry. Um, I just got to get through a couple things here, but... Uh, we appreciate you, and we will be Sharpie, and I will be sending you a little uh, little gift from Fargo. Fargo Actual. I'll have it made and shipped from here. Fargo Actual. Thanks so much, Sharpie, for that gadfly shit tonight. That was sure. that was fantastic. That was fantastic. Appreciate that. Well, see you. See you Sunday. See you Sunday. <laughs>